Or do you want do you want me to do an intro? Because I, I have an intro ripped from my old podcast. We one time how we doing? Greetings, boils and ghouls. I'm um, not going to do that. But if you want to do that, David, I mean, I could introduce you. You do could that. do that if you want. I'll introduce no, you. David, no. hey, we've got a certificate of excellence for the company. <laughs> I know <laughs> exactly. And welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Today, we're bringing you a spectacular bonus Halloween episode where we're going to look back on the 10 most scary moments of Thistle's recent past. Joining me to go through this are David Forrest. Hello, David. Hello. Are we not going for the, the mad, the wee Halloween intro that you, you planned there? You just got just a hello. Greetings, boils and ghouls. There you go. And also, Mark Wallace. Hello, Mark. Hello. Uh, David's going to kick off our top ten uh, with a game which I believe was on New Year's Day a few years ago. So, David, take it away. Number ten. So number 10 is the game that's probably ripped in my heart the most ever watching football, to be honest. Um, it's not even necessarily that we were bad, far from it. Um, it's Celtic 1, Thistle 0 from New Year's Day 2016. Um, if you don't remember it, it was at Parkhead and it was horrific. Basically, we absolutely... This was at the point of, I think, probably... Our, in our best season at that point we were really really good Celtic also had Ronnie Dyler and were I say struggling they still won the league comfortably but they weren't the, the team that they are uh, certainly last year or anything like that and we absolutely bossed them all game they looked terrible and um, I, I vividly remember at half time we were that good I texted my wife to say if we win can you send a fish supper to the jail for me? Because I'll probably get lifted for pitch invading. Um, and then it got to, I think it was at 68 minutes, and Mir Beton gets sent off. And everyone in the crowd was like, this this is our time. This is the one where we beat Celtic. And um, usually you go to a Celtic game, um, a official Celtic game, you'll, you'll find that the official fans will sing and stuff like that. But there will be lulls. There was no lulls whatsoever throughout this whole game. We absolutely hammered them all game. And then fucking Lee Griffith scored in the last minute. And I've never felt so just aggrieved and raging at a game. Like I genuinely just felt like crying when I came out because we'd done so much. 
in typical Thistle fashion, we pushed it down the toilet in the last minute. And I don't even think it was an especially good goal. Cherney had worked his arse off and done some amazing saves all game. And um, he just got really unlucky in the last minute and we lost. And honestly, it was utterly gut-wrenching. So not necessarily a worse performance, far from it. But in terms of feelings from a Thistle game, right up there for me. I think that's a, a good way to kick off, David. When How we've done this is we've picked three games each and we've all agreed on a number one. And when I was looking at my three, I was tempted to put in one of the one of the late goals we conceded to Rangers. But I think that Celtic one probably hurt a wee bit more and that did sort of kick off a period of us seeming to... We seem to concede a late goal every week. Uh, David, we'll come back to you for number nine on the lists. It's number nine. <laughs> um, so number nine is Hamilton Aki's two, Thistle one from the season we get relegated from the Premier League. Um, it was even made even more terrible by the fact that there was one ticket turnstile open, so there was hundreds of people outside, including myself, when Thistle scored to go 1-0 up. And we're like, that's it, we can do this, we, we, we might actually do it. And in a second, I clicked through the turnstiles, Hamilton Aki's equaliser went in, and I generally felt like just turned around at that point. I was like, right, that's it. And then I met you I, I met you and Mark, uh, both of you, at, we sat next to each other in the game, and I think for the last 15, 20 minutes, I think you can all agree, we were all just sitting there waiting for it to happen. We knew... As you were saying, we, we kind of went bred this culture of losing late goals. And I think we all knew exactly what was going to happen. And um, it didn't make it any worse. It was also, uh, keeping with the Halloween vibe, that also featured the, the stadium announcer over the tannoy that sounded like he'd been exhumed from a crypt. And it was also especially heart-wrenching, purely because we were relegated by one, minus one goal difference to Hamilton Ackies. And had, we had a goal chalk side as well? Yes, we did. We did. I'm, we I'm willing to believe it. I'm willing to believe it. I, <laughs> I believe we had a goal chopped off offside. Minus, minus one goal difference is why we get relegated. If we, if, to be fair, if they hadn't scored that goal, we would have went up in points anyway. But um, it's just kind of that moment. I remember us all just trudging out. Um, they started playing Celebration Good Times Come On by uh, is it Killing the Gang. And we all just started singing Relegation Now Come On. And, yeah, I, I I don't want to ever relive it, to be honest, again. This is, this is my, my moratorium on it, where I'll talk about it here. And then you just excise it into the bin of history, because it was and I, and the, the, the cherry on top of a really, really terrible cake. I think there were, de- there were definitely two or three moments during that season where a result or something that happened. So I made you sit up and go, oh, we're in big trouble here. That was probably the second one. I think I'm going to talk about the first one a wee bit later. But uh, before we do that, I'm going to talk about the number eight on the list. Number Uh, we've mashed together two games here. We've mashed together the two two legs of the 2018 playoff against Livingston. Uh, going into it for about six months, 
me, I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I'm willing to accept going into this game. I was confident, and for months into it, I was like, I would take 11 from the league. I don't think the championship's that strong. Uh, social media really comes back to bite you when you when you go off things like that for months. But uh, we went into it, and on that was one of the the, se- the season where we probably had the strongest squad on paper, and we're probably finding that out now with the start we made to the to League One season. On paper and on the pitch are two different things, but that that season on paper we did have a great team, and it just never materialised on the pitch. I was looking at the the second leg team we had out today, and we had Spittle, Erskine, Lawless, and Doolan playing as a front four, and nothing nothing happened. And I'm talking about the second leg here. We had 66 percent possession at Four Hill, and we had 11 corners, but that completely suited Livingston. All of the ball that we had, we were just passing it about aimlessly at the back. And then when we get sick of passing it about aimlessly in the back, we were just lumping it into Levy's box. And then with Levy's back three at the time of Halkett, Lithgow and Gallagher, that just suited them down to a tee. And in a way, I think that Livingston game, especially the second leg at Hill, it sort of epitomised what went wrong for Alan Archibald, I think, in the last 12, 18 months of his tenure. We were a team who were still pretty, pretty on the eye. We could keep the ball well, we passed the ball well. We had quite a nice shape about us, but when it came down to it, we had no cutting edge. And it was just surprising, because we had the, the front four of Spittle, Erskine, Wallace and Doolan, that we couldn't we couldn't produce more against quite a big physical back three. And obviously, they scored right after half-time in the second leg to take it to 3-1, and you just sort of fell around the ground. That was it. And it was a, it was a shame, because even going into the second leg, you're, you were at home, you were feeling confident, and nothing really materialised, really. It was quite a weird one for ourselves as well because we all met for the first ever time against Livingston at the very first game of that season. That was where we, we met on the train and that's where we became friends and stuff. And it was kind of weird at the end of the season revisiting it. And it, it, was a, it was a very different atmosphere from when the first time we went. I think we were pretty confident going into the second leg. I, I remember I, I sat next to someone who I hadn't seen in about five or six years who I didn't even know was a Thistle fan. But he was sitting next to me in the seat at Furhill uh, that day, and I was like, "It was good having like an old pal there that you just embrace this depression next to that you've got someone to kind of lean on." But um, it was just nothing. Like after about twenty-five minutes, we just kind of realised that it, it wasn't going to happen. And then I do think that uh, there is some players there who are very much tarnished by that playoff. And it sounds like I think Connor Salmon. I think a lot of people hold the penalty against him whereby that very much factors into a sort of a dislike for him, which I, I feel is slightly unmerited. But, um, yeah, it, it was a terrible game. And then to top it off, um, we all went to the Woody afterwards and they'd hired a piper to celebrate the fact that we'd stayed up. But clearly the deposit wasn't refundable. So me and Mark were sitting in the pub and we just heard this piper come in and start blaring out Highland Cathedral. And we were sitting there going... What is this? What is this surreal moment where it's like France '98, the Tartan Army have descended on Marseille, but it's like us getting relegated in a playoff against Livy? It was bizarre. <laughs> Number seven. Um, it's a couple of games uh, in the 06-07 season. Uh, the first of which was 
against Johnston at Firhill. It would actually made a decent start to the 06-07 season after being promoted under Dick Campbell, although we did uh, have a rather embarrassing uh, a Challenge Cup exit to Albion Rovers. Started the season no bad. We'd won our first couple of games uh, away to Dundee and then at home Airdrie um, before uh, drawing with Livingston. So we were, and uh, drawing with Livingston and Clyde. So we came into this home game against St Johnston certainly f- flying before we then put in one of the most abject performances I've seen and any sort of idea that we were going to do I, I saw a double promotion in for the second time uh, completely evaporated and as we lost 5-1 not great Simon Donnelly scored the penalty um, it was not a great performance at all we did however win the following week against Hamilton Ackies, late Graham Gibson goal there. That set up our games with Gretna when they were alive were nothing short of utterly pathetic. Uh, this is perhaps the worst of them. And it was... <laughs> we only we were, like I said, we'd come into the... Minus the Sajosa game, we'd come into it in decent form. But we would go on to lose this game 6-0. Only 1-0 at half-time. Colin McMenamin just on the half hour. But then everything fell to bits in 14 manic minutes. We go from Stevie Tosh, Derek Townsley and Alan Jenkins. Made it 6 with uh, 4 minutes to go. And it's safe to say those two games, certainly after winning our first home game against the Airdrie, left a, a fairly sobering feeling on 16-year-old me with my first season book at Fur Hill to completely horrific performances against ultimately who would finish in the top two, but it was just to have such a promising start, just completely evaporate in two games. Even I would though argue, we'd go on to win for five of our next six games. I would argue being 1-0 down at half-time is far, far worse than being 5-0 down at half-time. If you know it's going to be 6-0 at the end, because you still have that optimism going in at half-time, going for your pie, that we could get something out of this, and then it just doesn't happen. I, if you if you gave me the option between it will finish 6-0, what do you want the half-time score to be? I'd be like 5-0. Because at least at that point, you know it's done, you don't need to worry about getting your hopes up. Yeah, I'd agree with that completely. Because I'm, ju- I'm just looking at it here, it's like, Half an hour in, and then you've got that fourteen-minute spell where we concede three goals, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Because that Gretna, that Gretna team were very good, loaded financially, don't whatever you want to call it. That Gretna team were still pretty decent, mind you. Obviously, thought our team were pretty decent too, because like you, Johnny Tuffy was in goals for that game. Scott Boyd at centre half, Billy Gibson, Simon Donnelly, Derek Young, Mark Roberts. Adam Strachan, all, all decent players. Kenny Arthur on the bench, Paddy Keogh. But they were, that was a decent team for that level. Campbell had done well to recruit that, and then it just all went to, just went to absolute hell. Number six, six, six. 
Mark, we'll come back to you for number six. Take it away. Yes, uh, this one is one that I've never really been able to burn from my memory, especially because I have a friend who's a Beano, and, well, he doesn't half like reminding me about it. Uh, it was the 23rd of October 2010. Uh, we'd started the 2010-11 season absolutely horrifically. We'd only won three of our first 11 matches. And came out of this game against Stirling Albion. We lost to them at Firhill earlier on in the season. We took the lead through Doolin and then they hit back. They, they had started the season quite well. But then Bryn Halliwell in goals. But this game, he proceeded to throw in absolutely everything that came his way. Sterling took the lead after two minutes through Gordon Smith. We did equalise through Doolan. 27 minutes. Uh, they made it 2-1. Gordon Smith scoring again. Um, and three minutes later, it was three. And then it was four on 65 minutes. It was just utterly, utterly wretched. Uh, Doolan did get a second on 78 minutes. 4-2 finished. It was horrible. It was also Bryn Halliwell's last stand, I believe, at Firhill because it forced Ian McCall into the market for a new goalkeeper and just as luck would have it, Dundee were in the middle of uh, their second administration at this time and we picked up a goalkeeper from them for free called Scott Fox and I think that worked out a wee bit better. Certainly worked out better than re-signing Scott Fox. I just wanted to say, you describing Bryn Halliwell as problematic is probably the most diplomatic you've ever been in your life. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on to number number five in the countdown now. Number five! <laughs> Another game from the 17-18 season. I know David covered the Hamilton defeat uh, earlier on the countdown. I would say this game is when the alarm bells truly started ringing for me and a lot of other Jags fans. It was in December. It was in the snow and it was at Rugby Park. It was a 5-1 defeat to Kilmarnock, uh, who were just getting going under Steve Clark. But I think this was probably the turning point in both of their seasons. I know Steve Clark won his first game in charge at Firhill. But this was probably him announcing himself at Rugby Park. And this was probably us announcing ourselves as real relegation candidates. Again, as we've done in a few of these games, we started pretty well. We were 1-0 down pretty early, but Chris Erskine responded with with a great goal. Probably a goal of the season from that season. It was a really great volley from the corner of the box. But then it was just a total disaster. We've mentioned in the podcast a few times recently about... Players been played out of position in recent seasons, and I think that we played a four-two-three-one that day, and the two holding midfielders were Adam Barton and Ryan Edwards, which I think is just asking for trouble. One runs about and doesn't know what he's doing. One doesn't run at all. Um, Thomas Cherney didn't play well that day either. That was probably his worst game in a thistle top. There was talk about that time as well. He'd made a mistake at Rugby Park the season before and there was talk, could he play in a plastic pitch? But it just, just seemed to be a Rugby Park jinx because obviously he played for, for Aki's and it never seemed to affect him when he played uh, anywhere else in plastic for us. But he threw in a couple that day. Chris Boyd got a brace for Kilmarnock. Eamon Brophy got a brace. 
and Niall Keown is down to scoring an own goal. By that point, we were four points adrift at the bottom of the league and it was just alarm bells started ringing for me. That was the first time in my head. I know we hadn't started the season well, but we never really seemed to start seasons well when we were in the Premiership and we always seemed to come round. And I just, I think I just assumed, as I mentioned earlier, the team was looking all right in paper, that we would come round. But after that game, I was like, oh, well, we're really in trouble here. And obviously, it proved that we were. But that's number five in the countdown. Well, well I can say my abiding memory of that game is that we, I I went by myself and I remember at the end, I, I have a rule where I don't leave a Thistle game regardless of how bad it is. I just don't have it in me to do it because I just don't. However, I, my abiding memory is of, like in the 91st minute or something, you walked past me and I've never seen you so sullen in your life. You looked like a, a, a defeated husk of a man just there and I was like, are you not wanting to stay for the last minute and a half? And you just went, no, and walked away. And I was like, right, yeah, no, fair enough. Number four. <laughs> Another game. Oh, no, sorry, my fault. A game from the 16-17 season. A game from a, a good season, but a bad game. Yeah, yes, well, um, this is a bit of a weird one in the sense that this is um, it's the last game of the season. It was on the it was on the Sunday, and I remember it was it was a really really nice day for how it was. The sun was beaming down and stuff like that. But we went into it, and we didn't have a designated right back. I've, I think the squad could be, if we're being generous, um, described as being on the beach when we got to the top six because we knew we weren't getting into Europe or anything like that. So it's basically a free hit. It was five games where. It didn't really matter. So we, we, we took Hidens off Rangers and Celtic. The the Rangers game wasn't a Hiding. That was another one of the the late Rangers goals. That was probably the best game of the, the this top six. We definitely took a Hiding off Celtic. Yeah. But we lost to, we lost to St Johnson and drew to Hearts, I think. But the the last two were the Hidens, the Celtic and this one that you're gonna talk about. Was the Rangers top six one? Was that the one where they ju- they invaded the pitch and let off the flares yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah that's to finish just, third. Yeah, an absolute red day. Yeah, um, but this right. game was the last game of the season. Says well, the that? League One club. <laughs> yes, well, yes. Um, it was it was uh, Thistle now Aberdeen six. Now we didn't have a right back. I can't remember why was it, was. Was our right back injured, or I, I don't know? But it was Ziggy Gordon, Ziggy oh, Gordon had gone, and then Christy Elliott had been playing right back, and I'm not sure why he didn't play right back that game. He he must have been injured because it was rapidly apparent after about three minutes that whoever whatever poor guy we had to put in at right back had never played it in his life. No it was David Amu. It was David Amu. Um, <laughs> I subbed off after twenty minutes. The entire the entire first twenty minutes was literally and to be honest, most of the first half, it basically summed up as they passed the ball to their left winger. I think it must have, it was very early on, because they took the lead very early on, and they um passed it to their, their left winger, who just ran past the right back, who clearly couldn't handle it. And he went, Ah, that's quite interesting. Why don't we just keep passing to the left winger over and over again? And they did. And it was about eight or nine times where he just ran past them and everybody for Hill just like a collective 
for fuck's sake, every time he did it. And we were 5-0 down at half-time. And then they decided that this match, of all matches, had to be the game where we recreated the 1971 League Cup final at half-time. Um, and it was like a performance art troupe had like enlisted 11 sort of older Thistle fans to reenact the the game. And I, w- I don't want to say it's the worst Thistle display I've ever seen at a game because I'm sure there's actual team members that have played worse than them. But it was it was surreal to the point where everyone just burst out laughing. And it actually lifted the crowd to the point where we were just kind of like, this is just so ridiculous that it became a joke. And I, rem- I, I remember, strangely enough, the second half is probably one of my favourite memories of being at a Thistle game. Because in the second half, all the fans just went, we're 5-0 down, but we're in the top six. This is amazing. We don't care that we're 5-0 down. And they started singing every song that Fistle have done in about 35 years, including Christmas songs. There was a, a, a run out of the 12 days of Alan Archibald in May, about 10 minutes before the end, someone started singing we're going on the pitch. And this kind of took over and over and over to the point that they phoned the polis. And the police had to come and for reinforcements because they genuinely thought that this team who were six 0 down, their fans are going to invade the pitch, and it was just it was just a surreal day. But um, that 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 right back performance is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. It was so bad. Number three. <laughs> So we've reached the top three of our countdown and I'm going to deal with number three. Uh, I believe it is the most recent game in the countdown. It is Morton 5, Partick Thistle 1 from just about two years ago now. I think it was November uh, 2018. It was one of the early games in Gary Caldwell's tenure and there's a theme going along in this podcast. We actually got off to a pretty decent start in that game. Uh, Gone but not forgotten. Uh, Wrestling power, Bryson Tamway opened the scoring with a header. From a, a corner in that game, we went 1-0 up. Uh, and then, then it basically all just went tits up. With uh, Sean McGinty and Niall Keown, the bad Niall Keown, I think we've got to we've got to split him into the, the good Niall Keown, which was basically Niall Keown next to Liam Lindsay, and the, the bad Niall Keown, which was Niall Keown next to other, every other part of Thistle centre-back that he played with. But we had those two at centre-back and uh, Calamity Bellingles who was arguably at fault for three three being kind, maybe four of the goals. Um, we, we also saw Gary Caldwell. I think it was maybe the first half-time substitution he made. He subbed off Sean McGinty and moved uh, renowned powerhouse centre-back, Christy Elliott, into the middle of the defence, which which worked a treat <laughs> with, with midfielder uh, Andy McCarthy going to right-back, which made perfect sense. Uh, 2-1 at half-time, it went to 5-1, and it was so bad that the floodlights exploded. That's how bad it was. Um, Jai Katongo also played up front for us and was roundly sang at to, to cheer up Jai Katongo. Uh, fair enough. Uh, just a bad day. Just probably the worst day of the last two years, I would say, in my opinion. It was it was bad. There's no other words up it. It was just bad. I think that the best way to sum it up is I, I didn't go to this game because I went to a festival down south and I seen Napalm Death and it dislocated my shoulder 
at half three, didn't seek medical attention, made it far worse over the next six and a half hours, and had months of shoulder pain afterwards. And if you asked me, would you rather have that or go to this Morton game, I'd be taking a shoulder injury any <laughs> day of the week. It just, and also, I had a Stephen Morton fan with me as well, who just revelled in showing me the updates every single time there was a goal for Morton. Um, even not being there, I felt the pain, literally. You see a lot of goals in football, I think, even if this will concede, that you just go, oh, that's such a basic error, or you see that goal all the time. Like, just goals coming in from corners and headed straight into the net, or just, like, like folks slipping over and stuff. I've never seen anybody shoot from 40 yards on the wing and it go at ground height all the way and it go into the middle of the goal. And that is what Morton's fifth goal was like. It was embarrassing. Embarrassing. Number two, Mark Wallace. Yes. Um, it's the 2011-12 season. Uh, Thistle had dispersed. That Maybe that's the wrong word. Ian McCall resigned as manager towards the end of the 10-11 season. And uh, Jackie McNamara, who had been at the club as a player and a coach, initially on loan and then permanently and then as a player coach, uh, he took over as manager with Alan Archibald, Simon Donnelly and Ian Maxwell on his coaching team. Uh, November 2011, we travelled to play North Junior side Cooter in the Scottish Cup. Now, the North Juniors is by far of the three, of what were the three sort of junior uh, leagues, significantly the weakest. Cooter had only got through because Spartans, who'd actually beat them in the round before, fielded an ineligible player. So you're thinking, we were a misfiring, pretty average side at that point, playing good football, not really taking a lot of chance. But you you would think, oh yeah, we'll steamroller them, no bother. But five minutes in, we take the lead. And you're thinking, right, this is going to be five, six, seven. Remember, the game's kicking off at half past one because they've got no floodlights. And they have square goalposts like the ones you had at school. So you let <laughs> proper step back in time. Conrad Balatoni does his best Stephen Gerrard impression, slips over the ball and cooter equalise. And you're like, okay, this is really fucking embarrassing. Um, Thistle replaced Tommy Stewart with the debuting Craig Dargo. That doesn't go to plan either. You're thinking, oh, fuck, what the hell are we going to... How, how is this even happening? And then in the 89th minute, I looked down the line to see Scott Robertson miss a tackle and the boy who equalised for Cooter was clean through on Scott Fox and you're just sitting there, the entire life flashing before your eyes and he put it over the bar, and you're like, just total relief washing over me. Mark, and if it made you speechless, there must have been something. Oh, it was... <laughs> it was something. It was something, all right, uh, because it was totally embarrassing. So embarrassing, in fact, that uh, Jackie McNamara took the players out of the dressing room 
gave them a gave them a dressing down and put them straight on the bus back to Glasgow, which really really upset Cooter because they laid on a massive buffet for the the fans and the, for like the players and the delegation, and we just fucked off right back to Glasgow because we were so embarrassed. Not so cuddly anymore. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to number one. Number one. It was a game we all went to. Uh, it is a game that I, I remember. Yeah, I think I this was the. F- I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it like, was certainly character building. I took a half day off my work, and I think this was the first time I'd ran you both to a game. It's certainly the first time I remember. And my sort of memories are: we stalked off about an hour away from the place, and David bought toast, gluten-free toast and jam. And it was the most sort of stereotypical part of this away day ever. To the point where <laughs> my pal messaged me halfway through the game when we were 4-0 down, messaged me a link to a Celtic forum where somebody had put it on and they were all calling me like, who's this Oliver Twist looking prick when he's gotten free toast and all that? And I'm like, <laughs> how how do you make this game worse than, like, you just go, oh, by the way, you know how this is like the worst game you'll ever watch? As well as that, you're getting massive online abuse from others at Arsenal's and a Celtic forum at the same time. So you enjoy that. <laughs> uh, so, I puts hairs in your chest, certainly. Uh, well, if, if you haven't worked it out, the game was Ross County 4, uh, Partick Thistle 0. It probably wasn't, it's probably not the worst game in the last 10, 15 years, but I think it's the one that just stands out for us. Uh, mainly just the, the journey. It was a Tuesday night. It was April and it was snowing down the A9. Oh, it was everything that could have gone wrong could go wrong. Aye, everything that could have went wrong did go wrong. I like I like the wimpy. That that was about it. The wimpy and Dingwall was probably the highlight of the trip. But like, it was just that way. Where I I remember um, similar like to what I was saying before. I remember I think one of us had posted in Facebook. If we lose this, we're battling the car into Loch Ness. And no, then I just. You say that it, it, was, was, it was you. It was you. Uh, we're going to bend the car into Loch Fiscali. That's what it was. And I remember as we got back into the car, I just got a text from my wife going, please don't bend the car in the lock. And it was just like, okay, right, yeah. Um, this was incredible. This was the game where. Someone ne- looked like they were going to leather me because I started an Alan Archibald chant at like <laughs> 18 minutes in when we were 4-0 down in an 11-3-12 relegation battle on a Tuesday night in the snow. That man, I'm, I'm not, I've never seen it look like it from anybody in terms of that man, just the sheer visceral hatred towards me. I, thought, you, I thought he was actually going to kill you. It was incredible. Um, I, I remember our fans that night, our fans, like, our fans pissed sort of me off and quite a lot of us off at the best of times. But where the away where the away fans were situated at Dingwall last night, it was or that night, not last night, was right in front of where the Ross County players who weren't playing were sitting in a wee box. Oh, so God. I think it was I think it was Andrew Davies and one other. William Boyce, and, I think. It might have been I I think you're right. And they were turning round at nil nil, giving it their like the Vickies like smack like not smack, like hitting hitting the window, going, I ah, get up, you know that. 
and then every goal went in there. <laughs> <laughs> we deserved what we got, is all I'm saying. <laughs> we deserved what we got. And another thing I remember, there was there's a group of guys who obviously pitched and stuff like, why wouldn't you be young up to Dingwall on a Tuesday night to watch relegation bound Partick Thistle? Like you're obviously going to get pitched to do it unless unless you're me and driving driving <laughs> two others up there. But there was a guy and every time the defence got the ball it was go forward, go forward. And they if, if they played it forward and the ball got lost, it was oh just keep it simple, keep it simple. And if he kept it simple and passed it to the other centre back or just played a wee five yard pass in the midfield, it was show a bit of urgency, get a bit creative. And it was like Niall Keown on his left foot <laughs> under pressure and you're asking him to get creative and you're like, Oh mate, just just give it up. It was one of them, you just everywhere you looked, if you looked one way it was drunk fan. If you looked another way, it was Abdul Osman losing his man at a corner. And if you looked the other way, it was just wee guys like getting bammed up by a like a crop frost county centre half. It was it was just awful. But I, I will say I am kind of glad we went on it because we we did become good friends because we like this shared horrific traumatic experience where that that was kind of where we became really good pals. It is arguable if we hadn't went in that game, this podcast wouldn't have happened. So for a lot of people, that will mean that this is definitely the worst ever game that Party Fizzle have ever had. But, yeah, I just add a couple of things for me personally that I remember from that is. I have never seen Manpreet... I've seen Manpreet sing in some states. And I've never seen him so oh God. angry and steaming in my entire life. And also, that game, after that game, at the side of the A9, is the saddest, loneliest pish I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> well, not loneliest. It's the saddest, loneliest pish that the three of us have had. I- of all time. There's something there's something very, very, very tragic about shooting the shit over a traumatic event, pushing at the side of the deadliest road in Scotland, well a quarter of a mile up the road, there's a deed deer in the middle of the fucking road. It takes I'd like to clarify we'd like nothing to, to do with the, the deer. It, it does. Um yeah, we had nothing to do with the dead deer. Um <laughs> I will cut this bit out. I just want to make that clear, by the way, we didn't kill it. Because the Um, last thing we need is getting cancelled after Peter. (laughs) I mean, I already said I want to Wimpy. We're already done on that front. um, Imagine going to Dingwall and going to Wimpy and not getting a fucking staggy pie. It's scandalous. (laughs) The other quote from that night, I remember, I think it just went 4-0. and It was pretty quiet in their way end. I'm pretty sure at least like half of the 200 or so Thistle fans up there heard it. Just Mark Wallace went, I'd rather be staring at my dad's arsehole than this. one <laughs> down in this snow. Uh, cla- vintage Wallace. Wallace and his friends. They don't see the, that. See, like, the most traumatic thing about that fucking night? Horrific dirge goal music. <laughs> I can't like, even Don't get me wrong. The band, the band Torridon, by the way, are actually okay. But see, that, that tune is goal music. Just... Oh dear God! Like, like it's oh, like when the next time I'm in a manic episode, I'm just going to hear oh, and it's um, I'm going to burst into tears. It was so bad. As always, thanks for joining us, and I look back on our top ten scary moments of Jag's recent history. Thanks for listening. You know where to find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. We're also on Twitter and Facebook, so find us and follow us on there. 
As always, again, stay safe and wear a mask. Ooh, Chaka Khan. When is it ever going to be, like, all right for us, man? The last three years have been completely unacceptable. I know.